What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new Rubby Muscle podcast. I'm your host, as always, TJ, and this is episode 96. And once again, we are joined by Matt Dickens, strength and conditioning coach, plant, oh, actually, no, performance coach, plant based eater, not a vegan. Well, he is a vegan, but it's easier to not get the hate if you say something other than vegan. But I put vegan in the question and answer uh, part of my story where I asked you guys if you had any questions for, for Matt and myself. And obviously with that, we ended up getting a few questions about being plant-based. Um, we also got a few strength condition specific questions and just a few, and well, not a few, just one or two philosophical questions as well that we sort of went into a good bit of depth about rugby and just about life. So I really do hope you guys enjoy this. I think Matt was a great guest. He has a lot of knowledge for you guys to sort of um, absorb. So, uh, and a lot of, he, he thinks a little bit different. It's a, there's a few things that we talk about that are a little bit outside the box. I mean, even the whole of the last episode, you know, we were quite away away from the traditional box of rugby strength and condition or rugby dieting. Like, we just talked about other sort of stuff that will definitely help your rugby game if you really pay attention to it so i really do hope you enjoyed this episode if you did go ahead and give it a five star review on itunes um that helps us out a ton leave us a little bit of a review if you mention matt i'll make sure to get him on in a future podcast and if you're interested in any of our programs any of the coaching you can just go ahead and go to rubby-muscle.com there's stuff that you can get for free there's stuff that you can pay for and there's just a bunch of stuff that you can use to make yourself a better rugby player so go ahead and check that out but for now let's listen to the q a edition with uh, performance performance coach matt dickens and vegan We're back with Matt Dickens, performance coach and vegan. That's that's your new title, mate. Um, Thanks, oh, hold I on. told you, plant-based. Say, let's go plant-based. I just threw myself for a loop there. Um, I set off my Alexa. I can't hear if she's still talking. No, she's good. We're good. Okay, cool. Uh, so it's been less than a minute since we've recorded the last podcast, but it's, it's been two, two days in the real world. Uh, how are things going with you? <laughs> I'm really I'm still good I'm still good excellent that's good to hear um but are you ready to be put on the spot again because it's a new episode we need a new fact of the week oh yeah. you didn't hit me with that <laughs> yep I know as I said in the last last episode though mate the shitter usually is the better um interesting is is very much in air quotes interesting um, um, yeah, but I'm not an interesting person. <laughs> Can it just be about me? I cycled 25 miles along the coast today. That was brilliant. Nice. Um, the facts of the week. Oh, the latest piece of research I saw was the fact that 1.6 grams of protein per kilo body weight is enough. Yeah, I like that. That's a that's a that's a good one. Um, and relating no benefit to, to any more than that. That I mean. So when I was in when I was in uni. <clears throat> it was in, I was in I was a fresher and one of our introductory nutrition seminars or actually it was a big lecture and our, our lecturer the whole time was like yeah you need you need 1.2 grams per kilo of, of body weight protein and if you have any more than that then you're just making expensive piss and I remember him saying that and I was like now nah, this guy has no clue man I'm gonna get three grams per kilo bro I'm gonna be huge and you know well, I did was get fat that year, if I'm honest. 
has a lot of extra calories too. Yeah. And I was, tell- I was just thinking the whole time, I was like, this, this guy's a lecturer and he has no clue what he's talking about. I know more than him. And <laughs> that's what happens when the internet catches up with you, man. That's what happens. Yeah, but isn't that, isn't that the way it is? Like when you first like qualify, you first learn something, like you think you know everything and then you, you're in the game for a bit longer and you realise just how little you actually know. So like the people that have watched two Conor McGregor fights and were convinced that he was going to beat Floyd Mayweather, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, right? kind of. You know a little bit and you think, oh, I'm an expert at this now. And no, no. There's no, always, no, you're always going to learn. And, um, and today we are going to learn by, or you are going to learn actually, you listener, because we've got some questions here that we've been asked on Instagram that we want to go through. Um, as you guys already know, Matt is a vegan, so there are, we did get a few questions about that sort of uh, the vegan lifestyle, plant-based lifestyle. But we've also got a few um, different questions that it, actually in terms of like what we think in in terms of strength and conditioning and that sort of thing. So we'll get straight into it. And the first one here is uh, from uh, Lawrence. I actually haven't got his whole name down, but it doesn't matter. Uh, he says, "Do you think that the power and the speed of modern rugby players is?" too much for the body to take with collisions etc oh, it's my man Lawrence Stokes to ask this one by the way in rugby I think I mean like the, the contact element of the game is like just increased massively over the last 15 years but general, generally uh, like robustness comes down to the individual and yeah. Like I think you have to separate speed and power because I think speed kills. I think speed's an amazing part of the game. And effectively, if, if you can be quick and agile, then you can evade contact so much better. If you're, or at least take weaker contact. I mean, like, absolutely. Like, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot less impact to hit a hand than it is a shoulder, right? Yeah. So if you're, so it depends what that applies to. If it's head-on collision, just power for power, then yeah, something's going to break. And uh, I certainly think that, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, like size became a massive, um, massive focus um, about 10 years ago. And we saw that in the way the game evolved and and it was a lot more like bigger, harder collisions. Um, And I think people like the, the game is evolving again now to the smaller guys making a bit of a comeback, like, and, agility and and speed and more of an open expansive game involves less high heavy collisions um and i and i like that style of rugby personally um but yeah for sure just you put two brute 120 kilo guys smashing into each other all the time then people are going to break and i love rugby i love it with a passion but i've recently retired even just from like a just stopping playing the odd amateur game now because you're guaranteed to get hurt. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's, it's one of those things. So it, uh, to, to me, it's like two pronged. So yes, we've got like all these huge collisions. And as you say, the body, uh, the, you know, a bigger body can sort of stand up to those collisions a little bit better, but it can also create bigger collisions. And the other thing is it can create like, the the bigger these guys are getting um the more well the more athletic they're trying to get they also put their joints and you know all of that sort of thing all all their um soft tissue 
under more stress like per game you know if you're running at a faster speed or if you're you're more tired and you're still running at a faster speed or if you're doing more volume in a game like all these sorts of things uh add up and they don't necessarily add up to to mean that this game has gone gone too far but i think they add up to the point where we need to make real conscious efforts of you know recovery for sure in season but also like just in general like prehab throughout the year um and just trying to build like well-rounded bodies that are capable of getting put through essentially what is the ringer because it is a brutal is a brutal sport. Um, and then the other thing I sort of see is from the top down with rugby is hopefully like them playing less games. That's I think that's one of the bigger things at the higher level is that they, you know there's especially if you're if the if you're these guys that are in the French if you're in the French league you, you don't you get about, about a week off per year. It's brutal, and I think that is what is making the game harder more than anything else. Whereas before, like you know, thirty years ago, wait, no, yeah, not even not even twenty five years ago, you know, or or more, people were finishing their game of Premiership rugby and then going to work the next day, like working a proper job. So this whole thing yeah. has changed. Like, a lot. I think it's it's a really interesting question, but the the answer is such a complex multifaceted one there's so yeah. there's so many levels to it whether it, and this it largely depends on how is that individual becoming bigger and more powerful like how do they move yeah how do they move uh, is are, huge yeah how do they move like because either are they like stronger but are they putting more strain on like passive structures and how are movement patterns generating like chronic issues over time but how and can they still get into the optimal positions to make those contacts because um, that's that's huge. I remember when I was working in professional rugby that okay, the 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 pack was was strong, fucking strong, but they couldn't get down. They couldn't get down low to hit people. Like, yeah. It was like shoulder to shoulder with their like knees barely bent. So um, so that makes a, a massive difference. But I do also remember when I was at London Welsh, which is which when they were a rugby club or professional rugby club. Yeah. Um, our head of S and C it kind of evolved to, to the thinking of, well, we don't need to periodize anymore because we can train and the periodization, like the deload happens naturally when guys get broken. Because <laughs> it, doesn't make, it doesn't make any difference wherever okay. we, because the coaches, the technical coaches don't really buy into the deload or it was, it's very difficult to get that buy-in. So, yeah. Some do and some don't, but you know, the, the effect of the, the training week is largely reactive to what happened at the previous weekend in the game. Yeah. And so like the technical training sessions volumes remain very similar and then physical training, just a small element on top of that. So if you deload in, then there's, they just it ended up being, it didn't matter if they had a deload week on physical training or not, because the, the overall stresses on the, on the athletes was largely unchanged yeah. And the injury rates remain the same. Yeah, that makes sense. So, because I've seen that a few times where people tell me, oh, I'm going to take a deload. Okay, so you're not doing your powerlifting program or, or your strength based program or whatever it is. What are you doing instead? Oh, I'm going to go do a couple CrossFit classes or I'm going to go take a body pump class with my missus. Genuinely, this has happened. And you're like, well, you don't really understand why you're deloading them because the whole point is to take all of the stress off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, like my, my standard deload is 
Um, like we'll we'll do minimal volume, keep the consistency of the stay movements and drops to like eighty percent of the effort at that rep range. Yeah, and and, and, that, and that way you're still you're still getting the stimulus of the movement. You're just reducing a lot of CNS stress. But that's if you're just doing the physical training. Yeah, like life has enough stresses as it is, and it's, if you're a professional athlete, then there's a lot there's a lot of technical sessions and un un um, controllable stresses that you can't even account for. Yeah. So you have to take that into the bigger picture. Especially as an amateur athlete. Like, um, that's actually one of the things that was said in a, a, a podcast a couple of weeks back. I, I was, that's one of my main points is that, uh, we're talking about things that we've learned and that we do differently and, and managing stress is now like number one on my priority list. So if you've got a busy week of work that coincides with a week where you're supposed to be overreaching or whatever on your program, you've got to look at that and change it. Um, and that is, you know, that is more of the, the bigger injury risk than just everyone's just sheer size, I think. Um, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Cool. All right. We, I think we nailed that question, mate. Um, I also wanted to touch on the fact that you said speed's really important. Um, we've said that multiple times on this podcast it's probably the the one thing that is going to make if you were to get faster that's going to give you bigger bang for your buck than any other area of fitness in terms of rugby i think um and you can see that now like if you've been watching any of the heineken cup Cheslin colby is um he's tiny but he's doing some serious damage you've also got santiago cadero like you've got a bunch of these smaller backs that are really really putting on a good show forwards uh, maybe not so much. Maybe they're all just units, but you know, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, and, I, speed kills. I think speed scores tries. Yeah, like, actually, and the amount of so I coach a lot of forwards um, with what I do online, and the amount of times you know we do a massive reduction in the weight room work in terms in favor of speed work or power work, like a lot of medicine balls and that sort of thing. It happens all the time because I'm like, you're strong enough. You know, you don't need to be stronger where are you going to be better off as a rugby player? Well, you've got all these other things. Well, then uh, then if you turn around and say, actually, I want to be a power lifter as well, or I want to, you know, I've got, I've got a holiday in Ibiza coming up in May. I want to look great for that. That's fine. But then don't turn around and say that it's just for rugby. That's my thing. Cool. Yeah. All right, next question. Uh, if he was to do plant-based keto, how would he do it? Whew. Well, that's a tough one. Um, Ouch. Yeah, that's... I think that's the toughest question I've ever seen been given on Instagram. Like, can I just say that I would never do plant-based keto because <laughs> I love carbs. Yeah. And the biggest benefit to eating a plant-based diet is I get to eat loads more carbs. Yeah. Because they're also a smaller source of protein in themselves. Um, plant-based keto, I guess you're going to start with a lot of tofu and vegetables. Um. And no. I don't, I've never really invested a lot of time and energy into learning much about the keto diet. Um, I see various statistics now that it's higher fat diets that people aren't too fond of them. Um, and yeah. some scientific research to support that. But yeah, it'd be very difficult. Um, certainly, so lots of, lots of seed, lots of like seeds, hemp seeds maybe chia seeds it's, it's hard this is hard I'm, I'm, and, I, and I, I literally have just googled plant-based keto here be really difficult yeah like i think avocados could work but the uh, problem yeah. is with key ketogenic dieting means that you have to like to 
you know, by definition, it's not just low carb. You have to be in ketosis. Oh, yeah, so you, have to have, fat, yeah. you have to have your fat so high. But when you're going plant-based, it's difficult to get like real high fats without getting a, a good bit of protein, right? Or a good bit of yeah. carbs. And so... Yeah, to- tofu's got a, a, a bit more fat in it than it does um, than, most, than most things. Hmm. Yes. But... The answer is the answer is, uh, yeah, to the actual question. Yes. Yeah, avocados, um, coconut oil. Would that yeah. work? I mean, but then what would you have it with? You just eating and then and then and berries and fruits. But yeah, a, lot, a shit ton of vegetables. Uh, again, nuts end up being so high in carbs that they'll probably. I don't know. So this is this is definitely the hardest question I've ever received. Uh, I love peanut butter and almond butter. I love almond butter, so I can yeah. eat that. For but that, but that's but I, I still sit there with my kilo tub of almond butter and avocados. Beautiful, yes. Yeah. But that would that would. I don't think that would work for keto because it would still be too high carb. So, if he was to do plant based keto, how would he do it? The answer is with massive fucking difficulty. Yes, <laughs> that is the it answer. Looks, I mean, and no fun. Like, there's no foods yeah. left that you can enjoy. Like, no, absolutely not. Pick one or the other. I get. I think. Or and yeah, you know, if you listen to the last episode, Matt feels so much better from doing plant based. Anyways, it, it shares similar sort of benefits that I hear to people that do keto. So yeah, just pick one or the other. I would guess. Yeah. Experiment or experiment with phases of each if you want to. If you want to do it that way, um, yeah, cool. I think that will work for you, right? That's yeah. not going to work for me. Exactly. Um, suggestions for training around an ankle injury with poor mobility. That's all I've got. Um, suggestions for training around an ankle injury. Uh, okay, that's quite vague. Um, but so certainly, oh, not even an injury. Just suggestions for training around an ankle with poor mobility. Let me check. Oh, okay. Right. Okay, yeah. so an ankle with poor mobility. Um, I did an ankle mobility um, little Instagram video the other day, so check out my Instagram. There you it's go. At Matt Dickens SC. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll link that in the show notes. So if it'll be on the show notes, there'll be a link there straight to that uh, that video. There you go. So an- ankle mobility. Just bear in mind that the only way to really increase mobility is in the long term is strength training. <laughs> This is my. This is what I believe after being in this industry for ten years. There's a lot of short-term fixes to increase mobility. Um, I say it all the time, whether it's um, and they generally revolve around uh, giving your body some kind of feedback mechanism in order to relax. So whether it be um, like foam rolling or um, like like band. Um, What's it? That- flossing. He calls it. Yeah, flossing or um, or generally just raising body temperature and synovial fluid to the area that um, increases mobility in itself. But um, yeah, uh, band distractions or um, just putting a load on a on a joint and muscle can can trick your body into relaxing. Breathing can increase mobility, but these are all short term fixes that enable your body in that area to relax, and you might gain range of motion but with that increased range of motion comes a decrease in stability usually hence your body always revert back to the short the smaller range of motion because that's where it's safe so if you are going to increase range of motion then you then you then need to strength train and be strong and stable in those extra ranges of motion or increased mobility in order for that to last long term Beautiful. You're uh, 
dude, you're singing off of my hymn sheet, man. Like, there's a been a we 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 discussed all about injuries in in I think it was like episode eighty nine, I believe, and we said you know all about recovery and and that sort of thing, and it, it's same thing. So to get mobility, it's not the foam rolling; it's the foam roll, it's the squats that the foam rolling has allowed you to do that increases the depth on your squats or or whatever movement it is. It like the foam roller doesn't help your mobility. The foam roller helps you to do the weight training or strength training that then increases your mobility because um, moving un- under a decent load is is the is the number one ticket to improving that. So training around an like ankle with poor mobility, you know, I think we're both in agreement here. Our first our first recommendation is to try and not just train around it, but get that get that ankle more mobile yeah, as it, it is. Mobilize yeah. that. Joke. Also, figure out why. Why you've got poor mobility in that ankle? Like the two most common causes of, and I'm thinking, like if you're thinking about dorsiflexion here, then is it um, tightness through your like gastrocnemius Achilles um, unit, or is it an impingement at the front of the joint yeah. around around the talus? In which case, a band distraction um, on top of the foot as you go into like, deep dorsiflexions probably going to be um, more suitable. Or if it's the first option of like general muscular tenderness tight, tightness, then some feedback on foam roller, relax that area, um, it's going to increase range of motion. So figure out why as well. Yeah, beautiful. And I think, oh, figure out why and figure out um, like why it's really exposed if it's that bad. Because I, I hear it all the time when people say they've got bad, like poor ankle mobility, when in fact, it's not their ankle; it's their hips because the, you know they find, they think they've got a bad ankle mobility in a squat, and then their knee it's because their knee try, is trying to shoot all the way forward because they haven't got uh, flexible enough hips to actually get their butt or their hips right underneath them and have that knee go up rather than forward. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Absolutely, that is um, I couldn't agree with you more. They, you can I believe you can squat with a pretty much a vertical shin angle yeah. if you've got enough space and mobility at the hip. Absolutely, um, cool. Yeah. All right, that's another question now. So hopefully we made up for the fact that we failed uh, so terribly on that plant-based keto question that uh, that one made up for it. Um, next one, what's your favorite vegan meal? My favorite vegan meal? Nice. Um, well, I've got a catering business that focuses on uh, plant-based burgers at the moment. They're oh, pretty nice. awesome. You make them um, yourself? So, yeah, we make them all ourselves. We... Um, literally boil them and roast the beans ourselves because they um, they're better nutrient value, but they taste a lot better as well. Um, and we put them together. Um, so there's very various combinations of those. Our, be- our favorite at the moment is like we do a curry chickpea and pea um, burger, which is amazing um, with an onion bhaji in it. It's not the he- it might not be the healthiest one, huh. but it's it's awesome. The um, my general go to like day-to-day favorite is like a stir fry and our and and stir fries all come down to the sauces right so if you're using like great flavors and sauces so i'd say not my favorite meal but my favorite flavors um that go into food is definitely like cumin chili garlic ginger um maybe like either use sesame or sesame uh what's it called tahini oh uh, yeah sesame. But tahini or peanut butter and a splash of soy sauce um, to to make a really awesome sauce. That's what um, like brings 
my food to life and and really good flavors beautiful i like that um cool uh i don't have i don't quite have a favorite vegan food right now so i'm not gonna actually i tell you what those i i've i've had a couple of those i've had a few of those beyond meat burgers and they okay. are they're really good yeah yeah like, I, i've had some of those yeah they're pretty good um and I've just, I mean, this is my first month of trying to not eat chicken, so I, I, I'm yet to establish it. But, I, I mean, I've been impressed by the different dishes that I have been making, to be honest. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that for me for an update later. Um, does he find other vegan people annoying? <laughs> <laughs> I find people annoying in yeah, general. <laughs> that's... But don't, you don't have to brand them vegan or not. Um, yes, some vegan people are annoying. Yes, most normal people are annoying in general. Do, uh, actually, I would like to. I'd like to ask you: Have you got? Have you found that you've got a lot more um, traffic through your Instagram since that you do a lot of? Um, like, I don't know if you use the hashtag vegan, but it seems to me that like it's vegan and keto. So to go back to the other question earlier, those two things, like if you mention them online, everyone will come straight to your page. It seems like. Yes, it's definitely. It's definitely a growing trend. A lot of people are becoming a lot more interested in that area. Um, and you've got to focus on your niche, right? So I'm starting, I'm personally starting to put out a lot more plant-based nutrition and, well, and training because I, I know a little bit about training, but a lot more plant-based information out there. Mm-hmm. Um, as I learn it and as um, I'm starting to work with people who are interested in um, adopting a more of a or shifting towards a more plant-based lifestyle um so yeah so that my following in that respect is starting to grow um because i guess i'm targeting that sort of audience a bit yeah yeah i was, uh, I was just intrigued because so, some people i think i saw it on a business advice page to be like if you want to if you want to grow your an instagram account in in a couple of days just be a vegan and then everyone will just come on <laughs> Yeah, that's what I've heard. That's the trick. Like, you, you know Keir, don't you? Yeah. So Keir used to do the same with CrossFit. Yeah. He, he put cross, hashtag CrossFit in his Twitter post, even though he'd, fuck it, he'd, he'd just bastardized CrossFit. He'd hated it. But because it was so controversial and people loved it at the time, um, he got loads more traffic. And, and he, he didn't understand why because he was slating it. And yet all these CrossFitters were following it. <laughs> That's, yeah, I, I get it a lot. I get that with paleo or if I ever hashtag paleo. And actually, keto is the one. We So we did an episode on keto and rugby. And uh, because of that episode, we've got our only one-star review uh, on iTunes. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, because he was like, listen to the keto episode if you want to hear that these guys don't know what they're talking about. And oh, I was because, like, oh, okay. Because keto, keto and rugby is a great Right. I was like, oh, so you disagree. So therefore, everything I put out is shit. But whatever. You know, let people just be people. That's, that's why we don't like people in general, eh? Yeah. That's, totally. <laughs> that's absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, yeah. So that's our one-star review was because of that. Hopefully, no one's listening to this now and giving us another one. Um, oh, no. Actually, if you are listening, go give you've us got, a five-star one. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, give it a five-star review just because people don't like vegans. So you've got to be careful. It's dangerous territory. <laughs> oh, sh- yeah, I might, be in the, I might be in the shit from all the carnivore diet people. Yeah, that's true, man. That's Who true. knows? Um, okay, last question from me. Uh, what have you changed your mind about in the past five years with regards to training? So, yeah, I guess anything that 
sort of you thought one way a while back and and either because of research or because of being in i hate the phrase in the trenches but i'll go ahead and use it it's like is there anything that you found that hasn't quite worked from the science to being in quote unquote in the trenches yeah okay so the biggest thing that i've of working with athletes i was going to talk about myself then but i won't Lisa Ogan, I'll talk about working with athletes. Why? The biggest thing that people I want to hear about, about you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you both sides of things. Then. All right. So let's talk about the so biggest thing about working with athletes is about um, periodization and programming, and that all you really need to read, in my opinion, is John Kiley. I don't know if his name's John Keeley or John Kiley's article he wrote on. Um, periodization paradigms is and it's the simple the simplest facts are um providing there's structured variation in load and intensity um consist and consistency and you're at that most importantly adaptable in avoiding fatigue they're the they're the most important elements that there's all these previous periodization models that have similar elements and the real element of today's world is being adaptable and avoiding fatigue, I believe. Yeah. Everyone and being to... consistent, right? Yeah. And cons- consistency for sure. Like consistency. I, I mentioned consistency, um, but everyone has a good, good day. Bad day. Oh. You don't know what's happened. Go, can you, you just repeat that? I lost you for just for a second there, mate. Sorry. Sure, no problem. Can you have you got me? Yeah, you're back. So everyone has good days and bad days. Yep. And if you're working with an athlete in a gym for 60 to 90 minutes, you've got no idea what has just happened prior to that 60 minutes or what's going to happen afterwards. But if they've had an argument with their spouse or their parents or um, they've been stuck in traffic and they're not good with that uh, or they just didn't get any sleep that night before, yeah. like, there's no point. There's no point programming a three three rep max on a on a for a guy that's come in and he he hasn't slept all night just because he's worried about studying or exams or what have you so so being adaptable and just saying that's the key to getting the best out of people is and the biggest thing that i've learned is trying to shift my programming towards a more autonomous approach yeah so giving an giving athletes one the education and tools to understand and know what they're doing and understand their bodies and, and the training itself and the reason why we're training. And then, and even the way that I work with Bradley now, especially um, the MotoGP racer mm-hmm. is I, he's got the sessions for the week. He's got the weight sessions, um, a lot of cardio sessions, uh, various intensity and various duration. And there'll be, uh, but they're structured. I don't prescribe him. Okay, Monday you're doing this, Tuesday you're doing that, Wednesday you're doing that. You've got ten sessions to fit in a total of fifteen hours of training across the week. Like you fit it in how it fits your schedule. Yeah, because you've got media commitments, you've got um, physio commitments. He's got to go. He can only go riding a motocross bike or access a track on the days that he can. You know, like some, so there's no point prescribing a three hour long um, bike ride if 
on, on a Tuesday, if it's pissing down with rain and it's sunny on a Wednesday, like it's going to be much more enjoyable and just a better training experience for him to go on the, on the sunny day. Right. So, so to be able to be flexible in programming and give the athlete autonomy um, in, and then they, then, then it suits them a lot better. And I, I, that's what I work towards now. Yeah. So it's, it's an approach again, <clears throat> similar to, to what we use. It, it's like, it's getting them to be better through education so that they understand like how they, or they understand what they're doing and why they're kind of doing it. They don't, they might not know every single, you know, everything that's going on under the hood, but if they, if they have a good grasp of what they're trying to achieve and, and why, and almost, and, and also how, right then that gives them their own power to sort of understand uh to adapt their week their day their session whatever it is and you're right like stress is stress is stress so um like doing doing the wrong things when you are massively stressed is a terrible idea but at the same time if you take a step back you also realize how 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 small or important every like each set of each session really is if that makes yeah, sense absolutely. like it's all about the grand scheme of things so so if you've had a night where you haven't slept and you're like oh damn it i was i was supposed to do really you know my first set or my first go around of really heavy singles or something then there's nothing to say you can't just get a good night's sleep that night and then go ahead and go to the gym the next day and still do it because in the grand scheme of things you still got what you need to get done but you've got it done in a better environment yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that applies to so many, like all coaches in so many different environments and like on so and, many different and all levels. athletes as well. Like the amount of athletes that I see, like, you know, uh, I'm like, I'm like, uh, you know, you've, how are you doing? How are you feeling from last night? And they're like, oh, you know, I only slept two or three hours. I, you know, I had this and this and this going on. Fuck it. All right, let's test that. Let's test our one at max. Like what? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And especially for like, um, like working with younger athletes as well, like to be able to educate them around that and, and be open and approachable as a coach. Like you can't, like if you prescribe a session to a group of athletes, like you need, they need to understand and just that you're there and open. If they're having a shit day, they need to be able to come and tell you, coach, I'm having a shit day. Rather yeah. Than- if anything, like I, 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 um, athletes in general are always going to err on the side of they'd rather do a little bit too much and risk not doing enough and not making the thing so i now as a coach come at it and and sometimes as an athlete myself like just in my own training i i question whether i go too much on the other way but i very much go on the other way of i'd rather do not enough i'd rather leave a little bit more on the table that we can do next week and take advantage of that um and i'd rather like slightly not trust the athletes themselves, including myself, uh, um, in terms of pushing ourselves too hard. Like I, I'd rather, I don't trust athletes and not push themselves too hard to keep a rep in the tank or to keep, you know, the stress low when I say low or to to properly deload when it's time to deload. Because, yeah, if you if you're in a, if you're in a strength sport or if you're in a sport where any sport really where you're trying to compete, you're trying to be the best. You're you're not. Most people aren't going to leave any stone unturned. So therefore. It's they're very much at risk of doing too much. Yeah, sure, right. There's times to go all in, and that's generally competition. But I'm totally with you with the it's the minimum dose for maximum effectiveness approach. I think that's that's a brilliant way forward. Beautiful. All right, mate. Um, we'll wrap that up there. Again, um, you want to give people the information as to where they can find you? 
Oh, yeah, so I mentioned that I'm rebranding. My current yep. Instagram is at Matt Dickens SC, but Atlas. website is atlashealthperformance.co.uk and Instagram will probably change to at atlashealthperformance as well. Cool. Um, that'll all be linked in the show notes below. Um, I've also gonna, I'm also going to link that uh, article that you spoke about from, uh, who was it? Joe Kiley. Yeah. Yeah. So go check that out. Understand about like, understand, well, see if you can wrap your head around all sort of sports periodization and, and how, well, it, it, you go really deep to take a step back and realize that in the grand scheme of things, just as long as you're being consistent and as long as you're working hard, that's the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, more, more or less. All right, guys, we'll catch you in the next one. Uh, thanks, Matt, for being on. It's, it's been awesome. Thanks a lot for having me, Tom. Really appreciate it, man. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode or if you've enjoyed any episode of the Rugby Muscle Podcast, please go ahead and give us a five-star rating and type a quick review. It takes about a minute, and it really helps us out a ton, helps grow the show, helps grow Rugby Muscle, and in turn we will be able to give you guys the best quality content, information, and programs that we possibly can. If you're interested in any of that stuff, like the free physique nutrition video series, or the TJ Shank Supplement Guide, or the 50 free rugby conditioning sessions, you can find them all at rugby-muscle.com, or by going through my Instagram profile, at tj.strength. Give me a quick follow, and until next time, guys, I've been your host, as always, TJ. See you soon.